Hi, and welcome to Journey Through the Word, a podcast that takes us through the scriptures, one book and one message at a time. I'm Jeff Gilbert, and I'll be your guide through the Bible to help you better understand God's Word, what He wants to teach us, and more about His Son, Jesus Christ. Today we're reading in Acts chapter 19, where Paul is on his second missionary journey. Apollos, who had been speaking in Ephesus, has now gone on to Corinth. And Paul, who is passing through the inland country, and he came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. So we could ask the question, who are these disciples whom he found? Well, it could have been that they were followers of God only, that they were faithfully waiting for the Messiah to come and didn't know who he was. But the Bible is not very clear about who they were. Only Paul questions them. And he said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So this leads us to to know that the most important thing for Paul when he would go around and uh, witness to people was that they would trust in Jesus as their Savior and that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So why is this different? Well, in that time we had lots of followers, Jews, and we also know some Gentiles who followed the living God. And they were following pretty much in Old Testament traditions. And then you combine in lots of laws and rules and regulations that they had added. And you had the faith of that time. Of course, you can't put a broad brush over everyone's faith. Some were very religious with no faith. Some had some faith but didn't practice much religion. And some served God in, in the best way that they knew at that time. In that day... God really wasn't speaking to the people in Israel on the whole until Jesus came. And then when Jesus came and he brought salvation to mankind, he turned the Old Testament Judaic rules and regulations into a new way to follow God. In the Old Testament, you followed God through the sacrifices of blood and obedience to the law. But when Jesus came, his sacrifice was the atonement for sin that fulfilled all the law of the Old Testament. So those sacrifices were no longer necessary. Now the only sacrifice that was necessary was to believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood for the remission of our sins. So they were still serving and worshiping the same God, but now they would do it through Jesus and through his sacrifice. Along with Jesus' sacrifice, when he died, And he rose, he promised that he was going to send a comforter. So Jesus ascended into heaven, and shortly thereafter in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit baptized those men and women who were in the upper room and filled them with the presence of God. We could say that to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be dramatically infilled with the presence of God and with his Spirit, his Holy Spirit. So when Paul goes to these people who are disciples, we don't know what category we might put them in, he says, have you been baptized? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Or he asked them, actually, 
into what then were we baptized? Because they had never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Imagine that, saying, we've never even heard of that. What were they baptized? They said, we were baptized with the baptism of repentance. So he's, Paul explains to them, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. And on hearing this, because they really didn't understand that to this point, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. So it was really a notable moment in the Bible when Paul tells them that they should follow Jesus. So again, they're faithful people. They were baptized because they were repentant of their sins. That was the baptism of John. But now Paul tells them it's time to be baptized in the name of Jesus and to believe on him. And when they are, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands. Paul lays hands on them, and the new baptism that comes is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this is the dramatic event that took place in Acts chapter 2. And now these 12 men receive the same blessing. And what happens to them? They begin to speak in tongues and to prophesy. So we know that the tongues is a heavenly language that is not discernible or understandable by us, but it's a language that God gives miraculously when the Holy Spirit baptizes us. Does this mean that all people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit speak in tongues? No, because later on Paul asked the question rhetorically. He said, do all speak in tongues? Do all prophesy? And the answer to those things is no, not everyone does. But in this case they did, and they prophesied. So the prophecy might have been some speaking in tongues, and some understanding what was being said and sharing the prophetic moment. It might have been that some were speaking in tongues, some had a gift of interpretation, and in that interpretation were things that were prophetic in nature. Twelve men in all. Really incredible. Now, does that happen today? Yes, it does. Today, still we see people who we pray for them, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They've never even known about something like speaking in tongues, and yet they begin to speak in tongues. They begin to have visions. They begin to have different experiences with God. So there, while he was in Ephesus, he, he entered into the synagogue, the Bible says, and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But then some were stubborn, and some continued in unbelief, and they spoke evil of the way before all the other people. So he, he withdrew from them. And he took the disciples with him, and he moved to another room called the Hall of Tyrannus. So you see, there are times when people don't want to hear the message that we have, even though it's a fantastic word. Jesus wants to save you. He wants to give you the infilling of his Holy Spirit and to bless your life. Of course, there are people who are not going to hear it. What did Jesus say to do when that happens is to brush the dust from your feet and move on. Basically, Paul gave them three months here, and he moved on, and he moved into another area away from the synagogue. I assume the Hall of Tyrannus was a, a Roman room at that time in some building there in Ephesus. And there he continued for two years. Two years. So in that region, he went around preaching, and people came to hear him and, hear, and heard him, 
And it says that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. So all of Asia back then, of course, wasn't Asia as we know it today with China and Japan and Korea. Asia back then was, you know, what they knew it to be, which was largely Turkey and some surrounding area. So God was really working there, doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And we should never forget that in serving God, he wants to do signs and wonders in our lives today. It could be baptizing with the Holy Spirit for spiritual gifts like tongues and prophesying, or it could be incredible miracles by the hand of Paul. And here, an incredible one took place. And you know, and sometimes the miracles in the Bible, they're fantastic, but they also seem a bit strange. And here's a perfect example. It said that even the handkerchiefs or aprons that touched the skin of Paul were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. So God was really doing a wholesale deliverance of that whole region, cleansing the people from disease and sickness and exercising them from evil spirits, just doing something so wonderful. You can picture, you know, something where just a cleansing soap goes over a dirty area and washes away all of the, the filth. But then there were some people there. It says there were seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva. And you know what these guys were doing? They said, let's try to do what Paul does because he's really gaining popularity and it doesn't seem so hard. So they went and they went to cast an evil spirit out of a man. And when they did, they were overpowered by the evil spirit. So, not to dwell on that too much, but just to understand what's the difference. It says, well, they went to pray and the, the name of the guy who Paul is preaching about Jesus. They didn't know Jesus directly. They were just using his name and using Paul's name. But they weren't even followers or believers. They were just doing it, I don't know, as a game or as a money-making proposition or as a, something to make them popular or well-known. And they were overcome by the evil. And the evil spirit even spoke to them. He said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you, right? So he didn't have any respect for these guys and leapt on them, mastered them all, overpowered them, and they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this came known to all the residents of Ephesus. Now remember, the city of Ephesus is an extremely superstitious city. And both Jews and Greeks, fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And lots of them, who were now believers, came confessing and divulging their practices. And so they brought all of the magical arts that they did and the spiritist things and the books, and they burned them all and destroyed all of these things that were very evil. And they counted the value of them and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So that's how superstitious the city was, that the people there would pay exorbitant amounts of money to have books of spells and mysticism, etc., etc. But when the Holy Spirit came and began to change, the word of the Lord increased, and all of this stuff began to be washed away. But then the second thing happened against Paul and the message he was preaching. Because, you know, lots of people were being filled with the Holy Spirit, being saved, and Paul was going through, and he was going to go to Jerusalem, 
and he said he must see Rome. And he went, I'm sorry, he sent to Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erasmus, by himself, stayed in Asia for a while. And about that time there rose no little disturbance concerning the way. Here's the second problem. There was a guy named Demetrius who was a silversmith, and he made silver shrines of Artemis, brought, and it brought no little business to the craftsmen. So Ephesus as a city was a city that was built around the goddess of, named Artemis. And one of the great seven wonders of the world, the ancient seven wonders of the world, was the temple of Artemis there at Ephesus. And if you were to go to Vienna today to a museum, there they, when they originally discovered the city of Ephesus and they gathered some artifacts from there, they brought them back and they stored them in the Vienna Museum. I think it's called the Kuchenhof. And there you can go and see a giant model that's laid out of all of the buildings. You can see the theater and all of the city and off on the hill you can see where a recreation of the temple of Artemis and how it would have looked. And you can read this account in the Bible and follow the steps of Paul through the city and the temple that they're talking about. But more shocking is when you walk down a few steps and you turn around the corner, there is the actual original statue from that temple of Artemis. It's horrific. I don't recommend you see it. I didn't expect to see it. It's a very tall stone female figure that's really horrific and ugly. And they would make little silver images of this. You know, when we talk about idolatry in the Bible, we often think, oh, somebody must have this big idol that they put on a pedestal in their garden or they put it in their living room and they bow down and pray to it. Not necessarily so. Idols sometimes were tiny little silver things, maybe half an inch high or maybe an inch high. They made them for all levels of income. And they sold them. Why? Not just as a souvenir, because lots of people would come to Ephesus to see the temple and to see the goddess Artemis, and they would want to take a souvenir away, just like we would today. But they would keep them in their pockets as good luck charms. And so we think, oh, a good luck charm, that's not really idolatry. No, it is. These people really put value in things that are inanimate objects. Statues of wood, statues of ceramic, statues of silver and gold. Perhaps the more precious the material, the more spiritual value they apply to it. Even though it's clear God has thought these things an abomination from the beginning of time, and he doesn't work through any of them. He doesn't bring any salvation, any blessing to anybody. It brings problems more than blessings. What you need is to only go directly to God through Jesus Forget images and statues and pictures and paintings and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God come and live inside you. And that's how we are to serve God today. We serve him directly. But these guys caused a lot of problems. Because why? They were making money. And they gathered all together and they said, let's kick these guys out. And they caused a huge uproar in the city. And people began to scream out when they heard that Paul was preaching against Artemis. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Imagine, the city is in an uproar. And they really are probably ready to kill Paul after this. 
And the silversmiths, of course, are great. They're really thrilled with it because they're going to get rid of Paul. So it says the whole city was filled with confusion. And they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius, Aristarchus, and they were Macedonians who were Paul's companion in travel. But when Paul wanted to go in among the crowd, the disciples wouldn't let him go because they were pretty sure they would try to kill Paul if he appeared in public. So some cried one thing, some cried another because everybody was in a confusion. I mean, it was a mass hysteria. And most of them didn't even know that why they had come together. Imagine this kind of you know, confusion and rioting in a public place. And then, finally, Alexander tried to talk. And he motioned with his hand, wanting to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for two more hours they cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Imagine, people are in a furor, in a frenzy, over a piece of stone that at one time somebody carved into this hideous statue, built a myth around it saying that it came from outer space. It came from the sky, out of the heavens, and fell to earth. And that's who we worship. Because somebody did that, they built one of the seven wonders of the world to surround it. And these people were just absolutely crazy about this thing. Is it the same today? Depends on where you go. It depends on which religion you talk about. But yes, people are still crazy for man-made things that they think have some spiritual value to it. I think any religion you name, you can find something similar to this worship of man-made objects, which God, the living God, detests. And yet, people still do it. So, finally, the uh, councilman, the local town clerk, he quieted the crowd and he said, you know, we are the city of the Ephesians, we're the temple keeper of them, and let's not cause any problems or else we're going to get in trouble because this is already an illegal gathering. And so he dismissed the, scra- the crowd and he said, we're being in danger of charge with rioting today. And then when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. You know what's important here is that God wants a different kind of relationship with people. He wants a relationship where you talk to him directly. Isn't that great? You can talk to him right now. And how do we talk to him? We can only go through to him through Jesus Christ. He said that's the way to God. And because we know this way, we can say, you know, God, I believe in Jesus. And because of his sacrifice for my sins, I know that I'm clean and forgiven and I can come and talk to you. And you know what God wants to do also? He wants to fill you and empower you with his Holy Spirit and change and transform your life. The things that take place, you may have spiritual gifts, You're going to have fruit of the Spirit like love and peace and gentleness and kindness. And those are things the world doesn't offer. They only come from the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a change of life, but not one that's rules and regulation and religion. It's a life-changing experience that God's going to direct you through. 
he's going to show you what things are going to change. For example, here, he showed the people that they should get rid of their, their evil material things that they owned and start to worship and serve a living God. Let's all do the same. Ever-present help.